requests as we go through um, our week and just uh, continue to remember them um, in prayer if you would. And just keep lifting each other up. You know, I always uh, don't always mention it, but it's been in our it's in our bulletin um, all the time, um, a weekly prayer guide. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to pray this way, um, but it's just it's it's a guide. It's what it, what it, why why I call it a guide. And um, if you want to take a look through this through your week and pray for these different things during the week, um, I'm I'm sure that that we we can cover everything in prayer as much as we possibly can in, uh, in a lot of these situations. And uh, the Lord, Lord will, will help you during, during your prayer time and encourage you. And just lift each other up in prayer during, during the week. Well, I want us to look again at Revelation. We're going to uh, continue on and, and finish up the book of Revelation. And um, the book of Revelation gives us um, uh, three very important scenes here at the end of the book of Revelation to give us encouragement to help us know um, what awaits us uh, at the end of history, um, even after the terrible events that are mentioned, uh, these events uh, bring about a new and glorious age in Christ. And, he, that, and, and we look forward to that um, age that He is bringing. It is our hope. It is our desire for these things. And so we're going to focus on that this morning. <clears throat> and I want to read to you uh, through verse 21 here, chapter, uh, chapter 21 9 through 21 here. This is the description of the new Jerusalem. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the, of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, <clears throat> having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and the, and the gates twelve angels. And on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, twelve thousand stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelve amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your, of your word, and Father, we pray that it, you would allow it to go forth and not return void. 
Let it do what it's supposed to do, Lord, and that's to transform lives. It's in your name I pray. Amen. A shining city on a hill, this city of Jerusalem. This is something that um, we, we've seen um, in, in imagery concerning uh, the United States of America. When, when America was founded, the Puritans came and they wanted to help create this new shining city on a hill, so to speak. A city in honor of Christ and, and, and of, their, of, of their faith and, and, and of, and of uh, uh, worshiping God in, in this city. A city where um, people were free to worship as, as, as they wished. And a city that would, um, uh, where all people would come and, and worship God and, 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 and just uplift His name. A city um, where, where, where there would be morality and holiness would be its foundations. They look forward to, to, to setting that up. And, and Ronald Reagan, in one of his famous uh, last speeches, his farewell address, actually, which he gave in 1989, um, he, he expressed his vision of America um, as, as a shining city on a hill and as an example to the world of freedom in which all were welcome to come and, and do commerce uh, and you know, and, and even dwell within, within the, 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 this land if, if they so wished. But he said this, For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us, so that if we shall dwell falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, and so cause Him to withdraw His present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. He saw America as, as an example to the world of, of freedom, freedom of religion, seeking the blessings of God, and yet if they dealt falsely with God, he said that, that this city on a hill would fail and, and would go away. Now, my question would be, as a nation, have, have, have we done this? <laughs> have we shown ourselves to be this shining city on a hill, an example to the world? I would argue that, that in a lot of ways we've failed to do so. I have some hope after some of the decisions uh, made recently, especially the one um, where, where abortion was overturned in this country and the, and the states reenacted their, uh, well, the states reacted their bans. Um, but have we been a shining city on a hill? It's, is, is America the hope of the world? Is, is it the example? I would argue that what we have in the Bible is, is, is our example of the shining city on the hill. It offers the pattern of, of what a, the, a, a free and beautiful and, and wondrous and, and uh, welcoming and loving uh, city should look like. An, an example to the world, it's given to us in the book of Revelation. But even Christ said this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, um, uh, the church would be the light of the world. He tells them in, in, in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor, nor can a light be put under its bushel. I believe that one day in the future, that this shining, as, as Revelation predicts, that the shining city on a hill that to come is God's own holy city of New Jerusalem. And that's what we should be looking for, and not necessarily any one nation on earth. And I and I think um, I, I think America could be that, if if uh, you know the, God's people 
um, spoke out and stood up and, and, and stood for Jesus Christ in, in, in this world. I think it could be that. But none of it compares to what's going to come at the end of history. The holy city, the new Jerusalem. Coming down, not from human beings, but from God himself. And that's what we as believers need to look forward to. In God's word, Jerusalem has always been the representation of the city of God. The earthly Jerusalem has been the representation of, of God's city, God's reign and rule on earth. King David in the Old Testament, um, he conquered the city of Jerusalem uh, and, and, and began uniting the tribes of Israel who were disjointed for a long time. Um, he began uniting them. He conquered the city of Jerusalem, uh, drove out the, the Canaanites who, who were living there and, and established that as, as um, the holy city of God's people. And, you know, he had, he had plans. To, you know, he, he built his palace. He, he built its walls up. Uh, he had plans to, uh, to build the temple, but God um, said that would be passed on to his son Solomon. But anyway, you know, David was, was God's king. David was a man after God's own heart. David was, was the model of, of God's reign and rule on earth. He would also become the, what we call a type or, or an example, an early example of what Christ's kingdom would look like and, and what Christ the Messiah would look like. And, and, and the holy city was always to be the, the unified capital of God's people on earth. And the pro and problems was, you know, the problem with that was, you know, uh, Israel the, and, and the people failed. Eventually, the kingdom split in two o o over um, oppression, o o over anger, o over idolatry. They they split in two. You had you had the southern kingdom of Judah, the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, Jerusalem remained the capital of Judah. Samaria became the capital of Israel. And th those two uh, countries were, were at odds. The people of God were, were split, um, unfortunately. And eventually they fell into moral decay, and uh, more powerful nations came about and destroyed the, both kingdoms and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, destroyed the, te the temple that was there. And you know, the people were taken off into exile in history. Later on, you know, God, God's promises were still enacted for Israel. God still had, had a plan for them. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. I love you. You know, even though you've turned away from me and fell into moral decay and, and uh, you know, um, turned away from my law, I'm going to bring you back. And Israel eventually came back after 70 years and they reestablished the city of Jerusalem, rebuilt the temple. And, and, and again, they, they, they sought to be this... Um, the, the city of God from which God's people would reign. But even that, the people saw was less glorious than it had been before. And they, they didn't see the promises of God of a glorious kingdom being fulfilled at that time. And eventually again, the Greeks came and, and took over Jerusalem. They were, they were under Greek oppression. Then the Romans came and took over uh, you know, the city of Jerusalem and took over the, the Palestine and Judea. And, and, and the Jews tried to rebel against the Romans, and the Romans destroyed, decimated the city of Jerusalem in AD 70, destroyed the temple, took it brick by brick, 
in order to melt the gold off of it. And there hasn't been a city of Jerusalem for nearly 2,000 years until 1948 when uh, Israel was brought back to the land and, and, and they, they came back to uh, the, their homeland. And, and, and even since the 1948, nobody would recognize Jerusalem as the capital until Donald Trump came along and announced that we're going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Um, so, you know, in, in a sense, you know, the, the political kingdom is there, but they're still not, not what, not what the, the Old Testament promised, that, that this place where God would come and dwell with his people forever in a beautiful city where God would, would reign over the earth where, in, in, in his benevolence and love and, and would put an end to all wars and strife and bring all people together, not, not just Israelites, but all people together into this great and glorious kingdom. That still has not been fulfilled. But God, in, in his love for humanity, and, and, and sensing that his new fledgling church needed encouragement, you know, speaks to John in his exile on the island of Patmos and says, here's what I was talking about all, all those centuries ago to the prophets. Here it is, coming down out of heaven of God, this beautiful, holy, glorious city. And it comes after God wipes out evil from the face of the earth. God comes and dwells with his people again in the new and glorious age. And the description of this city is, is glorious. It's, it's, it's got pearl gates. It's, it's got a, a jeweled city. The, the, the city is, is 12,000 stadia, which is about, uh, I think, 1,500 miles. And he says that, that it, it's, it, it's length is, is as big as its width and as big as its height. I mean, you know, you, you have a hard time thinking about a thousand miles into the atmosphere, um, but that's how, that's how high and great and, and large this city is, it, it describes. 12,000 stadia, about 1,500 miles across, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles high, wow. But I, I, and that, that may or may not be literal, but it's, it's describing the immensity of, of this great and glorious city that God has coming down. The greatest city, the largest city ever to existed, where all of humanity is welcome in. All those who believe in Jesus Christ are being welcomed in. But I think one of the even more glorious things besides this description has to do with the gates it talks about and the foundation of the walls of this city. The twelve gates are named after the twelve tribes of Israel. That's fulfilling ancient promises to, to, to the people of the Old Testament, the Israelites, the Jews, that God would establish their city. The twelve gates no longer have their, their, their own names like the old city did. They bear the names of the tribes of Israel, the people of God. Their names are inscribed over the twelve gates that, that are mentioned here in the city of Jerusalem. And I would venture to guess these twelve gates are open all the time. They're never closed. And not only that, the twelve foundations of these walls are named after the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The, the new community that Jesus Christ established, the community of faith, 
You know, the Israelites were God's people by birth, and he wanted them to, to have faith in him. Faith was, was supposed to be their foundation. They kind of lost their way, but, but eventually they, they'll come back, I believe. But here, the twelve apostles are at the foundation of these gates, the people of faith, the new community that Jesus established. And what does that mean to me? That this city is the one people of God. People of the Old Testament and the New Testament church are one. There are many Bible scholars who, who will take the book of Revelation and say things like, okay, the Israelites were the old people of God, and when they failed, all the blessings that, that they lost because they, they killed the Messiah, all the blessings come to the Christians instead. And when I read the book of Revelation, I don't see any of that kind of talk. In fact, Jesus talks about this, that, that he uses the ancient symbol of, of Israel as being the vine. And Jesus says, I am the vine, church, you are the branches. And those branches are grafted into this vine. Jesus Christ stands as the perfect Israelite. Believers in Christ are grafted in as, as part of the vine. The, people, the Old Testament people of God and the New Testament people, the church, are one. And that's what's being represented here, I think, in this new city of Jerusalem, is Christ's church. They are the people of God. They are the citizens of this city. And it is a glorious city. And he calls this city the bride of the, of the Lamb. That, that this city is, is, is adorned as a bride meeting her husband. In other words, there's a great consummation that's happening between Jesus Christ and, the, and, and, and God's people, Jesus as their Savior, as their head, as their representative, the church as, as the ones who Christ is bringing into this glorious kingdom, the people of the earth, and then, then God Himself, the Father, as the bright center of all this. And they have been um, brought in by the blood of the Lamb, but made holy by God's Holy Spirit. All three are involved, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit here. But God as the shining center of this city. And, 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 and the bride is, is God's church. Being called the new Jerusalem. Entering into this city from God. They, they are the citizens. They are the foundation of this new city of God. And so I think about all, all the glorious imagery here of, of this um, you know, new city. And... I'm not going to sit here and pretend. I don't even think it's really that significant what each of these jewels represent. But I will say that, that um, in the Old Testament, when the priests came before God, to, um, or the chief priests especially, the chief priests came before God to represent the people of Israel, his breastplate had 12 stones that are similar to this um, woven into the, the breastplate. The, these stones also represent the people of God. I think even more than that, I think, I think they represent the works of the people of God. You know, God has not only called the, the church to uh, salvation, the, God is not only calling people uh, to the, the church to go to heaven someday, God is not just calling the, the church to um, enter into this, this great and glorious future in Him. They're called to good works. 
and, 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 and the beautiful jewels in this city, I think, represent the good works of the church. Because when we, when, we, when we work for God in obedience to Him and do the good things that He's called us to do, they are like beautiful jewels in the city. And these jewels become the foundation for what the city is. And this might be a sermon for, for another time, but I'll just say it too. Notice how all these precious jewels, which we hold as being so expensive, especially gold and pearl, all these things that we consider precious are nothing but the brick and mortar for this new city. I think it says something about what we hold on to and what we value here in this material world. The things that we consider precious metals or precious jewels or, or bright shiny things are the very basis of, and, 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 and the bricks and mortar of, of the new and glorious kingdom to come. God uses them to, to build His city. <laughs> and here we are putting value on these material things when, when God's kingdom is so much greater than, than any of these things, any of these treasures, that, that, that the precious jewels that we consider so wonderful and things that we pursue after are nothing but the building materials of, of, of the new and glorious kingdom to come. That's how great and glorious, more glorious God is. He is greater than all those things that we consider precious in this material world. But the church is, is the foundation for this new city. We're the ones holding it together. We are its citizenry. We are the ones who will populate it. We are the ones who, who will live in this great and glorious new future when Jesus Christ comes, when He reigns over the world. And you may say, well, th that's a um, nice... A sentiment preacher, that's, that, that's nice pie in the sky. That, that, that's nice to think about, but, but it isn't, isn't my reality. I want to tell you, this, what he's talking about here in, in Revelation is all of reality. It's the reality that, that all the earth is heading towards. In fact, in fact, this is the most real thing that there is. I think, I think John's description is supposed to tell us, is, is, is hinting at this, is telling us this. This is the most real thing that's out there. It's bigger and better and brighter than anything that we can think of as being great or wonderful or, or, or bigger in this world. And, and, and the one who created the world and, and made all things that are in it is at the center of this great and glorious kingdom. And, and, and we, as, as the creation of God, are being invited into this great and glorious future. All humanity is moving towards this one moment in God. Everything is, is, is moving towards this. Everything is moving to this great white throne judgment where God will separate those who have had faith in God, who have committed themselves to Him, who have received His saving grace, who have, who have come to Him and have sought them in this life and remained faithful to him, to him in this life, they're going to be welcomed in. And those who have rejected God, th those who have, have refused to receive the word of the gospel, those who have received, who have, who have um, refused to accept God's Spirit in their lives, who have not listened to the Holy Spirit, have not listened to, to the church, 
who have not listened to God's call, who have, who have rejected it, are going to be outside where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and their lot will be in the lake of fire for all those who came out against God in order to corrupt His world and destroy all that was good. That place of suffering and death in the lake of fire was not meant for God's human beings. It was meant for the devil and his angels. But when, they, but when people refuse to turn their hearts towards God, they're making the decision to reject God in the end. We always talk about how a good and loving God could send people to hell. But I can tell you there's a lot of people that, that have chosen that route. Because they've heard the gospel, they've heard the good news of salvation. God has made it easy for them to come. And yet they've turned away because they're focused on themselves. They're focused on what they want, their will and their way. And have refused to turn to God. But there's such a great and glorious future. There's such a beautiful city, a, a place to live with God that He's offering us. And he, a, a place where, where time doesn't matter anymore. Where we won't grow old or, or keep on... I, I don't even think we'll be conscious of what time is anymore. We'll spend the endless ages with, with, with Christ in this beautiful and glorious city where everything that, that we possibly need is right there. And yet people still refuse to enter in, refuse to accept the promises that God has for us. And yet at the same time, it's interesting to me that, that people are, are looking for utopia here on earth. That, that they, they still long for this idea of, of a pleasant place to live where, where, where nobody has any disagreements anymore. Everybody is, is in agreement with one another. Everybody works towards everybody else's good. And, 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 and they still hold on, want to hold on to that idea that, that we can create that here on earth. It, I, I think it's still something that exists in people's hearts, and, and, and yet they, they, they don't want to accept the source of it, which comes from God Himself and from God's Word. They, 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 they think human beings can, can build this great and glorious city of God. That, that they think that, that um, the, the American experiment is, 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 is going to move eventually towards this, this utopian kind of idea and culture. And I don't think it's wrong for our, our politicians like Ronald Reagan to speak in this way that, that, because um, America is, uh, in its founding, uh, based on biblical principles. It, it was. And, and while we might not say it was a Christian nation because they didn't combine church and state, which they shouldn't have. That's what the Puritans were escaping was this combination of church and state when they came over, the pilgrims. They, they wanted to set up their, 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 their freedom of conscience and freedom of worship and, and freedom of speech and all, all, those, all those things that they, 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 they escaped England for and eventually broke away from England for. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting and desiring us to be better people based on those Christian principles. But I can tell you that there's nothing on this earth that's going to be able to match what God has for us who believe and have faith in Him. And I love my country because it, it does give me freedom. And, and uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of cultural rot around us. 
And, and, and all, all those things, I think, are going to be worked out if we trust in, in God and have faith in Him. But my, my love for country is down here somewhere. And God's kingdom, I can't even reach high enough. A Christian's loyalty should be God and Jesus Christ first. And country should be down here somewhere. We got the 4th of July coming up and people look at that and they'll say, okay, let's celebrate God and country, God and country, God and country. Nope. God, country. That's a freebie. I didn't have that in my sermon necessarily. <laughs> But what God, what God has for us is so much greater and so much brighter than we can even think of. Nothing can compare to it. And we look forward to it in faith. But again, since these things that we're seeing here in Revelation are representing the church, that means something for us here today. That yes, we, we need to be a shining holy city on the hill. It's God's church that's called to do this and not just any secular nation or secular government. God's church is called to be a shining city on a hill, a beacon, an example, a light to the world. And how do we become that, that, that holy, beautiful, adorned bride ready for Christ when it comes? How do we become that? How do we become a bright, shining city to other people? As we hold forward as we hold forward this hope to the world that there is a, 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 an actual physical bright shining sea that God is bringing into this world. How do we reflect that hope in the here and now? Well, first of all, it's, it's to live in holiness as God's people. It's like, people don't like that term holiness because it, we, we think of the Pope and his vestments uh, standing before the people and blessing them with the smoke and the incense and all that. Or we tend to think of holiness as, as somebody who is holier than thou. But holiness is simply the free gift of God. When we accept Christ's salvation, He gives us the, the free gift of His presence in our hearts and lives, the Holy Spirit. And what He does is He begins transforming us from the inside and out. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of a man that defiles him. So when we accept Christ as Savior, we accept His atoning blood for our sins, He cleanses us, makes it possible for God's Spirit to come in and do His transforming work within our hearts. And what does that transforming work look like? It helps us to become simply loving people. People who love God and love others. Jesus said, I am the fulfillment of the law. He says this in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm the fulfillment of the law. And he says, you know, in, in, in chapter 5 of, of the Sermon on the Mount towards the end, he says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Now if we took that one line out of the sermon... We would say, nobody can be perfect. But what Jesus was saying is, in context, is that God can make you so much so that you love people, even love your enemies, and be able to forgive them for the wrongs that they do to you. 
That's what God's perfection looks like. Being able to love like he loves, even those who you don't like very much and they don't like you. <laughs> Jesus says, if you love your neighbor, what more are you doing than other people are doing? If you want to be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect, you need to be able to, to love those who, who hate you, even. And be able to forgive. The Spirit is the one who, who transforms our hearts so that we can love like God loves. It doesn't mean that we're perfectly sinless. That's not what holiness is. And that's not what perfection means in the Bible. It doesn't mean perfectly sinless. But it means I can love perfectly like God loves perfectly. It doesn't free us from mistakes. It doesn't free us from being tempted. But what it does is it changes the motivations of our heart. So that we want to love God, we want to love others. Even if we don't fulfill that perfectly all the time. <laughs> but God's level of perfection, it meets us where we are. It says that I can transform you so much that, that you'll love as I love. And that's what true holiness looks like. Holiness looks like loving God and loving others. With my whole heart surrendered to Him. No more pursuing of self and self-interests. No more being selfish. No more being materialistic. Chasing after the things of, of this life and of this world. But God wants us to be holy as He is holy so that we can live in that holy city when it comes. To be adorned in, in these jewels, prepared as a bride for, for Christ, means that we, we, we put on the works of holiness. We do good works based on our love for God and love for others. That's all that holiness means. You know, I can, I can tell someone who is really holy and, and, uh, and is living up to God's standard of perfection is because they are humble and they love the Lord, truly humble. There are people up here who, who stand up and proclaim, I'm holy. I'm perfect. I'm this, I'm that. Well, the problem is, is that letter I in there. <laughs> the only thing that you should brag about is Jesus Christ and how, how He's been good to you. But the, but the holiness, people don't, don't verbally claim it, but you can see it in their lives by their life of humility, by, by their life of good works by somebody who just loves other people. That's what this holy city should look like. That's what this holy church should look like. That's what this great and glorious future looks like that God is bringing us. And we need to look forward to it in anticipation, with gladness, with hope, with wonder. We're not going to find this here in this life. In this world, we're going to find it at the end of history when God brings it. And so we trust in Him. We have faith in Him. We surrender to His Holy Spirit to let Him do the work within our hearts to transform us into what He wants us to be, into His image. And then we'll be prepared as that glorious bride when He comes. Do you want that today? Is that the desire of your heart today, to serve and to love Him?
You can ask Him for it if you, if you don't feel it. And you may not ever feel it. But if you truly trust in Him and ask Him to help you to live as, as, as you should, if you, if you desire this holiness that, that He's talking about, this holy new and glorious city, this future that's coming, all you have to do is earnestly and honestly ask Him for it and seek it, and He'll give it to you. But you have to earnestly seek it. You have to earnestly want it. It might mean that you give up a few things in order to have it. But most importantly, it's just about a surrender to God's Spirit of what He's already done, what He's already given you. If you believe in Jesus Christ today, you have the promise of the Holy Spirit who can transform your life and prepare you for this new and glorious city to come. Let's stand.